just thinking about flatware and why I have opinions on them and how I don't like that. Flatware? Yeah. Spoons, forks, knives. Interesting. I was thinking about that this morning while we while I was cooking. I was just like, yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've gotten old because I now have opinions about what spoons are good and what spoons are bad. I've, I've always had opinions on that, like ever since I was seven, because I'm weird. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just don't want to be the person, I don't want to be a person who has opinions about forks and spoons. You know what's, what always strikes me? Maybe it's because I, maybe it's because we're like desensitized to it, living in New York where everyone is like subletting somewhere Mm. or like everyone is, is either renting out their place or they're probably not on the lease and they're like subletting paying directly to who actually lives there but like sometimes we just let motherfucking strangers just like come and live with us yes just we're very (laughs) like very trusting we just like let straight up strangers and i mean that bit me in the ass in 2020 for sure yes um wasn't completely my fault but he can he's awful um anyway (laughs) Yeah, babe. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Do you remember that time we watched The Sublet? You mean a super terrifying movie about which there's very little information? Yes, that's the one. It's a very uh, it's a very indie film, so there is not a lot of info out on it, but we yeah. are very excited to talk about it today. I definitely think it's the most indie film we have ever covered. Yes, um, it definitely is up and down gives you the vibes and is technically indie there's not even like a wikipedia page on it so um that's just how indie it is so if you want to watch this movie though uh we watched it on tubi last night it does have ads um so if that bothers you then i believe it's available for rent on amazon prime it's also on voodoo which i'm assuming also has ads because it's free uh so yeah i'm nicole i am tofer and we're the horror babes Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to do the normal format today, which means, in case you don't know, Tover's going to take us through who made this thing, shouting out the cast and the crew, and then I will take us through the plot, and then we will go into a deeper analysis of the film. So, Tover, who made this thing? So this is from director John Angeli, A-I-N-S-L-I-E. I think that's how you say that? hmm So this is his second feature. Uh, before that, he had done... Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer, which is a big joke mm-hmm. film. Um, I haven't seen it. Uh, I've never really been able to find a copy of it. Yeah. But that was sort of his first foray. Um, and so, yeah, this is his second feature. Again, super indie film. I think it costs like 75 grand mm-hmm. to make. Um, it was written by Angeli and also Allison Richards. Mm-hmm. So the only really recognizable face in this is our lead, Joanna, played by Tiana Nori. She's um, in uh, Letterkenny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, her fiance, Jeff, is played by Mark Matichuk. We have the woman from the past, previous tenant of this apartment, Margaret, played by Kristen Madison. Ex-girlfriend, Alex, played by Rachel Sellen. And uh, Margaret's husband, George, played by James Murray. We've got Margaret Linger and Jeff Sinisek as the two detectives. And that's really it other than our homeless woman, Mary Elizabeth Wilcott. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had music from Jeff Morrow, who I like. Um, I've heard some music from him before. Very mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, cinematography from Greg Biscop, 
editing from Jordan Krut and production design from Vincent Moskowek. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's basically it. Yeah, um, it's a very small production. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously more people, but the credits themselves are only like two minutes long mm-hmm. at the most. So it's definitely not not a not a full. I mean, it's it's a full cast, but it's not like the ones we usually do where it's yeah. just a thousand people. Yeah, it's only about like a eighty minute runtime. I want to say mm-hmm. eighty some minutes. Yeah, it's like a yeah an hour hour twenty. Yeah. Yeah. This movie was not super well reviewed. Um, there's not like I mean there are some decent like sort of indie reviews of it. It technically came out in 2015, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't get any streaming release until 2017, which I think is when I saw it for the first time. No, I saw it the first time when we started dating. We watched it that first October together. We did. We did. Yeah. Um, so that would have been 2018. Yeah, yeah, I think it would have been on Shutter at that point or something like that. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's great. Um, but yeah, so the the reviews of it are not amazing. Yeah, people people don't really like it and and I'm wondering if it's because it is a lot of um I mean it is it is kind of slow and it, and it's more of a psychological thriller than it is a horror, but it's got horror aspects in it which turns it into a horror film, which we'll we'll discuss a little bit later, but I'm wondering if that's why it wasn't received well. Yeah, and I know that there's a lot of gatekeep. We've talked about this a thousand times. There's a ton of gatekeeping in the horror community of like what yes. is and what isn't, and having a woman protagonist who's in the right but has a kid, and that's also is what mean I mean to her bring husband. Up. Yeah, like it's that's what I'm guessing happened. But yeah, it's at 38 percent for an audience score out of 32 ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and I've read through some of them. Well, actually, there's not there's not even any audience reviews written. People mm-hmm. just were like, no. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, and there were only two, like, I guess, only two, I guess, official critic reviews, but one of them is from the Georgia Strait, and it is a paragraph long at most and is a bad review, but it's also a bad review. Yeah, bad you know, review in general and then a bad review for the movie, but it's like poor, a poorly written review. Yeah, I didn't like the review. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Um, you know, I've read some other good reviews of it, like that are sort of like just from different blogs or internet magazines um, that are a little more favorable. But I will go ahead and just say that I really like this. I think it's fucking great. Yeah, that's it on who made this thing though. I've got no other information. All right, <laughs> thank you, Topher. So now I guess I will stumble us through this plot. Yeah, uh, I think we can probably knock this out together. You know, trying. Yeah, uh... it's not super convoluted. It's um, it's it's a pretty straightforward. Forward plot here. So we've got Joanna, Jeff, and their baby Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, Joanna and Jeff are engaged. They show up at this apartment and they're buzzing in and no one's answering. But then all of a sudden the door just magically just opens. Opens, yeah. Um, they they go upstairs. They all they get set up. Um, they have a very sterile relationship i mean we get some like uncomfortable we get some like hot sex in the beginning like the first night that they're there it's like it's they're clearly both having a good time Mm -hmm. but then every single interaction after this is like very sterile he like to say goodbye to her he gives her a very um not even loving kiss on the forehead yeah just a quick little peck on the forehead yeah and it's it's very weird like they're all of their interactions are extremely sterile and i think that this is you know the the direction of the film i believe that they are good actors but they're they were kind of told to act a little bit sterile towards each other yeah um so basically uh jeff is an actor going out on auditions 
And um, I we believe they're in Vancouver because that's where a lot of the filming happens. Yeah, that's in, the film and TV industry um, of Canada. Yeah, in Canada, but we're pretty sure they're in Canada here. And um, everybody says a boat. So <laughs> yes, they and do. sorry, they do. So uh, Joanna is 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 home with with Porter all day, taking care of him while. Um, while Jeff is out auditioning, which I don't know what he's doing all day, every day, <laughs> right? because I'm, I'm an actor and I've also had representation before, which he, he speaks of his agent several times. If you're an actor with an agent, you don't typically leave from nine to five every day. Yeah. And it's even later. Like he's out for like 12 hours. Like yeah. it's early morning when he leaves and it's dark when he gets well back. and he never speaks of like having a gig it'd be one thing if he was going to auditions and then going to a rehearsal that i could understand would or like be... going to a job that wasn't you know if he was doing his survival job or something yeah he like never that, mentions know? that he literally only mentions that he like got this audition and then he needs to run lines so he's not running lines for a job he's running lines like for auditions so it, it's very confusing to me right. i guess we can just assume that he's probably going to his quote unquote survival job but I don't know you just there's no way that you would be gone for 8 to 12 hours when you have an agent yeah because you you're not in cattle calls you have yeah you have appointments yeah um even if you had five appointments in one day you're probably not going to be gone from 8 to 12 hours you have five appointments in a day regularly (laughs) or were for a time when we could still audition for things and you would be back before I woke up if you have a good agent, then you you can you can hopefully get all of those knocked out in like four hours. Yeah. But yeah, so so it's kind of weird to me just just from the jump. But anyway, uh, weird things start happening. There's always banging on the walls. There, I mean, you know, with a, with any apartment, there are new sounds. New neighbors equals new sounds, and all of this. Um, totally. A new layout to get accustomed to. There's like a weird locked door that's the owner's room that nobody's allowed to go into. Uh, the baby starts reacting to all of the strange uh, things happening and won't stop crying until Joanna puts the baby in this in like the owner's room that has a crib in there. And that's the only place that the baby finds peace. Yeah. Which is, you know, so we're already just getting a little bit of like, okay, this is, you know, bizarre. Well, important too, that the door is locked Mm -hmm. first. And then it's open by itself. Yeah. She doesn't find a key for it. Yeah. So we get all of these kind of uh, ghostly paranormal seeming incidents. Yeah. Banging the walls, knocking the door, but no one's there. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and Joanna at this point is just kind of chalking it up and chalking it up to just like, okay, well, this is like a weird, you know, maybe I had the window open and the door open. Like, you, you don't know. Uh, new apartment, new weird things. So sure. then we get, uh, Jeff comes home and tells Joanna, Joanna is making him dinner. Um, and Jeff is like, so, uh, I got an audition for, um, a, a movie and a TV show, but I need to run lines. So Alex is coming over and Joanna's like, Alex is in your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And, um, he's like, what, you know, you have nothing to worry about. And she's like, I'm not like worried. Like, I'm not jealous. I just, I don't like her. Yeah. She just sucks. And also she's like, you should have given me notice. I don't know if there's enough food. I look like a crazy person because I've been taking care of a baby all day. I feel fat and disgusting. She looks like all of us in quarantine. Yeah. She's, she's her job right now is, is chilling at home with the baby and making sure that it's, that everything's good. Um, so she's feeling very, 
blindsided by all of this. And then before she can even express her feelings, Alex shows up. And yeah, she's trying to go get dressed, and then Alex just like barges and in. And she's like, never mind. Just I guess. her way into this apartment. Yeah, she's like, I guess I won't shower. I guess I won't do any of this to make myself even feel a little bit better about having a random guest who's your ex-girlfriend. Your tall, hot ex-girlfriend. Yeah, so she walks <laughs> in. She is French, French-Canadian. Um, mm-hmm. She starts speaking French, and, she, and and Joanna's like, what What are you... I don't understand and then she's just it's she's a complete bitch yeah and um, she says something specifically to it's like she doesn't forget that joanna doesn't no speak of course not she's it's saying very it specifically to jeff who does speak french or at least understands it and i didn't catch the entire line um but she's basically saying like something 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 with me mm-hmm. like, Avec I, moi. yeah I, I heard that on the tail end yeah it's it's also french canadian so it's quebecois it's like fucking impossible to understand mm-hmm. <laughs> i have opinions about french dialects it's fine it's fine <laughs> it's, just, um, it's a very like harsh weird dialect for like any other french speaker mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter where else you're from everybody who speaks french from anywhere in the world goes yeah but not quebecois right so uh or as they call it quebecois <laughs> Have I never told you this? Yes, you have told okay. me this. <laughs> then I'm you not going to be mean to French Canadians on on mic. <laughs> um, so she, Alex, just continues to be the worst house guest possible. Gosh, she's, she's like such a bitch. She's like, oh, is that um, what is she cooking? Is it's not duck? Oh, so it? yeah, so so Alex is a super fucking dick, right? And she's like, she's vegetarian, but I can't remember what's in the. So it's lamb. It's lamb. It's that's right. That's right. Oh, is that lamb? I'm vegetarian, and she, I'll have a salad. You eat salad, right? And it was, she keeps commenting on, um, on Joanna's weight in certain yeah. ways. Like you, you eat salad, don't you? Or she says something like, "But I am smaller than you." Like she says, she keeps yeah. saying shit like that, and 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 it's just being a very stereotypical, um, like rude ex. Like this is out of a teen movie or something it's ridiculous yes um but fully believable like i've ha- I've, I've seen that scenario go down in front of me it's so toxic like come yeah. on it's so stupid um but it started with jeff it started with jeff inviting alex over without you yeah know. oh no he's the worst he's the worst and so then alex lights up a cigarette and she's like i don't i know you're not smoking at the dinner table inside and then and she's like what and she's like we don't smoke around a baby yeah. um and <laughs> this is in the 60s hon god and then um jeff is like oh you can use the um balcony outside of our room and then joanna's like what you're you're telling her to go through our room like put the bitch outside is basically what she's saying <laughs> um we're but- only on the third floor it's a walk up sure but like come on she has legs. She has very long legs. She can use them. Um, but like... Kristen Ritter looking ass bitch. Yeah, she's she is beautiful. They're both beautiful. Come oh, on. Yeah, That's no. what I'm saying. This whole thing is so toxic. They're, yeah. Yeah, she's talking about like going to the gym and stuff. Oh, and God. like She's like, I work out like every day. like, And, and I'm just like, okay, that's great. But like what... Joanna's <laughs> like, I have a baby, and Alex is like, Oh, you have to, you you have make, to the make the time. time. She's saying all of the wrong things, basically, yeah. and and arguably on purpose. Uh, but anyway, it's it's an unfortunate toxic situation, and ladies, we should just not do this, um, especially for a man. Yeah, exactly. Fuck them. Um, but anyway, uh, Joanna's at this point just like, Well, I'm gonna go take a bath and make sure the baby's good, and I'm gonna go to bed. You can clean up. Uh, like all this stuff Uh, run your lines get that bitch out of here 
and see you in the morning sort of thing. Right. So then she has this dream that uh, he cheats on her. Yeah, like Alex comes into the bathroom wearing one of his shirts. Yeah, and then they and then they have this huge fight where um, where Joanna kills Alex and puts her in the closet. Yeah, like, like kills her closet. in the closet. Yeah, she like snaps her neck. Yeah, um, and then show you who goes to the gym. <laughs> right, she like she kills this bitch, and then and then uh, Joanna wakes up. And it was a dream or a nightmare, supposedly. And she, you know, and um, she finds Jeff on the couch, just like in his boxers sleeping. And it's like, again, like you said it to me last night, like if if we were ever in this situation, which we would not be, um, you you would at least come to bed and not like have your significant other wake up without you next to them when you went to bed and their ex was still in the house and they were like running lines alone. Like, no, they're toxic ex and they're drinking and like, yeah, it's just, and so she finds him on the couch and she like wakes him up and she's like, I had a dream that you, you know, cheated on me and like all this stuff. And he's like, Oh, not this again. Like he's, he's the worst. I'll just say that now. Um, And he only gets worse as the movie goes on. So he keeps, you know, going and doing his thing. He ends up booking both the movie and the TV show, but there's like a scheduling conflict. So he's trying to figure that out. So he's, you know, stressed about that or something. Yeah. And he's like mad um, at her because she's like, well, do you want the steady job or this other job? Because it's with some, he keeps dropping this name of a director that I don't think is a real person. No, I think it's fictitious. But it's supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be like, oh, like a Tarantino or something like that. Like, it's like he's got a it's like big... A, it's a big name, obviously. Yeah. Um, he's dropping it like it's a big fucking name. And it's yeah. like, oh, well, I could get this, but it's a smaller part and it pays less, but like... But working with this director could lead to more, et cetera. And which we, is an understandable feeling. I get that. Yeah, well, and I think that this is the difference between... Because we learn that she's a lawyer, but, yeah. you know, is it She's work- on maternity leave. Yeah, she's on maternity leave, but um, this... It's an understandable difference of practical thinking versus artistic thinking in a way um because she's probably very practical and is thinking like do what makes you the most money because you have a child right makes sense but he's thinking Keeps us in one place we can settle down yeah he's thinking you know like what's going to boost my career the most which i get it it could lead to something else but she's kind of just thinking more practically and saying like get the money now yeah um but anyway so that honestly is understandable with um, a couple. Their relationship just gets even more distant and sterile. It's really, it's just really strange. Yeah. Um, and we, more weird things keep happening. Like the the couch is moving it's somehow in the middle of the night. Um, when she moves it back, there's she, she scuffs a little bit of the floor. Mm-hmm. And then as she's standing up and and leaving the room a chair like juts out or maybe it's even the couch it's a piece of furniture juts out yeah i think it's a chair yeah yeah and cuts her on causes her to cut her leg and when we see the cut it's the same as the floor so it's kind yeah, of it's like exact same scar scratch whatever so it's kind of like the apartment is taking on a persona it's like you hurt me i hurt you yeah it's you know eye for an eye sort of thing um it, sorry <laughs> It feels like a warning of some sort. Yeah. Um, so she keeps putting the baby in that room because she's like, I need some peace and quiet. And he literally won't shut up unless he's in that room. And the husband gets mad about this and keeps saying that, like, 
like he's gonna lock it and all of this the stuff. The owners room. We're not supposed to be in there, even though there's no information that suggests that that's the case, yeah. right? Like they yeah. have no information about what this house is. Yeah. And, and like so, it would make sense to have like an owner's room in a sublet. Yeah. That you don't aren't supposed to enter. But Joanna didn't unlock it. It was just unlocked. It, yeah. And it's the only place he stops screaming. Yeah. And yeah. It, like even the, he starts screaming when Jeff picks him up and tries to move him away from the room and everything mm-hmm. like that. And so it just is clear, clear, clear that the baby wants to be in there and that the house wants the baby to be in there and all of that. Well, and it's annoying because he's never home to do anything. And she's like, I literally need rest. Yeah. Just like a man to do one thing and expect all the praise for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, and he he's like, I'm going to I'm going to lock this door. You can't you can't do this. So um, in said room, Joanna finds like a diary mm-hmm. and starts reading it. And we find out that it's the uh, diary of a previous owner. And she, it really, par- it's it's starting to parallel her life in the way that they, in this previous owner has, has a child, has a baby, and the husband is being increasingly just like possessive and angry and cheats on her and all of, abusive completely. Checked and, out completely, yeah. He's never there yeah. and then doesn't help when he is. He drinks. Yeah, yeah all of the. we always see Jeff drinking. Yes, all of the shitty things. Um, and just more, you know, more and more things, the, the cacophony of sound starts to kind of just swell in this house. It starts becoming more and more frequent. And so Joanna's like, I'm going to go take a walk. This is when we start seeing this homeless woman who is, who is possibly there, possibly not because in the, in one of the first scenes, she's like, Jeff, there's a, there's look out the window and he doesn't see her. Yeah. Um, this is a couple scenes back, but anyway, this is when we like kind of meet her ish. We get an interaction at least. Um, Joanna is walking with the, um, with the baby in the stroller and, um, someone's like, don't go in there. Like when she gets back home and she's like, uh, you're like, you're just, you're a crazy homeless person is basically what she brushes it off as. And then this woman is like, my baby, my baby, it's my mm. baby. And, and Yeah, your baby is mine. Your baby is mine. Yeah, yeah. This like weird, you know, very ominous thing to say. And There's so. There's also this whole subplot that's going on throughout this with um, Jeff keeps accusing Joanna of not contacting her family. Yeah. She's, she's like, it, I talked to my sister yesterday. It's like, you're, yeah. she keeps calling my agent telling you to call her. Which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's no sense made there, but it's just like it's it. That's one of those uh, subplots that I find very interesting about like what's going on here. Yeah, like what dimension are we in? Right. Um, who's dead? So, um, it's like a weird Beetlejuice thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So she is, you know, sufficiently freaked out at at all of these things that keeps happening. She keeps telling Jeff, like, I want to move. Yeah. Can we please Can find we another find, place? And he's like, What? You want to find another place already? And she's like genuinely trying to tell him like this place is scary you're never here but this place is fucking scary and you leave come home get drunk pass out leave come <laughs> good god yeah well it's and it's just like it's you we never see a piece of technology in this there is a landline yeah, but there it. are no cell phones there are no laptops yeah. or desktop computers there's nothing yeah, yeah nothing we, it's like a place outside of time yeah. Where they're dressed kind of modern day. Yeah. Um, but it's unclear, like, 
what it year is, we're yeah. in. Yeah. It's completely unclear because we don't see anybody else. Yeah. Like when, when she goes outside other than the homeless lady, I don't even think we have extras. No, there's it's an empty street. It's an empty street. So we have no sense of what timeline we're in um, because there is no technology. The only thing that could tell us is the stroller, but that also can be compared to like what they're wearing. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so we really don't know. So... Um, Essentially, I mean, you know, just more more weird things happen. The uh, husband or fiance gets even more angry. Uh, but upon returning uh, back to the apartment, Joanna hears a knock on the door and these detective cops kind of yeah. just barge in. No warrant whatsoever. And she's like, uh, what's up? Just oh, like shove I, their badges in her face. Yeah. Oh, I do need to note that um, uh, Jeff mentions that Alex is missing. The next day after the we next see day. the dream mm-hmm. of her being murdered by yes. Joanna. Yeah. Yes. So now we're back to the detectives. They're saying like, are you aware that there's a missing person? And she's, you know, like, oh my God, Alex. Yeah, I can, I can try to help you out. I don't know if I'm going to be much of a service. And they're like, Alex, who's Alex? And she's like, isn't that who you're here for or hear about. And um, they're like, no, uh, we're here for Joanna. And she's like, what? It's I'm her first Joanna. and last name. Yeah. And it's her yeah. fiance's first and last name. And <laughs> yeah, it's all these. And she's like, I'm Joanna. And it's this whole ridiculous thing where they, they completely uh, undermine her. In, in so many ways and gaslight her in so many ways. Um, and she keeps saying like, you know, like this is insane. Yeah. This I'm a lawyer. Is... What you're doing is illegal. They try to take things from her. Like they pull a photo the of photos, her. photos. And... Yeah. They're yeah. completely disrespectful. And, and and she's like, I'm a lawyer. And they're like, you're, you're a lawyer. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not practicing right now. And they're like, of course you're not. And they're, they're just like so rude. She's like, I have a fucking baby. Um, they ask for her ID and she can't find it. Yeah. It's, it's somehow it's gone. Um, so eventually she kicks them out. Um, and, but they leave kind of without a trace. Like, oh, it's, she goes, she runs back. Is this when she's getting her ID? Yeah. She's like, they're like, well, we need to see some identification to prove that you are who you say you are. And then they're just mysteriously gone. We don't hear the door open or close. We don't see them walk down the hallway. We don't see them on the street. We don't see any of these things. Yeah. We don't hear any footsteps in this very creaky apartment. Nothing. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of fully designed around like the footsteps in the apartment. And I'm pretty sure the photos are cleaned up too. Yeah. Everything is clean. Everything. It's like it didn't happen. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of bizarre. And then, uh, Jeff comes home and she tries to tell him about this and he's like, well, call your sister and all this stuff. And she's like, I spoke with her yesterday. Like what? (laughs) Um, and I think this is when he, Tells her, like, she's having trouble sleeping. So he's, like, he force feeds her a sleeping pill. Yeah, this is such a gross it's scene. It's disgusting. So, yeah, he's, like, t- she's, like, something about the furniture, like you said, keeps moving every day. And he's claiming it's her. He's, like, you're doing, and he's yelling at her. He's, like, you're doing it all this shit in the middle of the night. It's you, and you're sleepwalking, and you're keeping me up, and I can't sleep, and yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. He's yelling at her. Yeah. And then pulls a sleeping pill out of the kitchen cabinet and like he's tries also, to force feed it to her, like approaches her and he's a foot taller than she is. It's super creepy. I hate it. I hate this part. Um, he's also pissed because um, he, he comes home and he, and one of his uh, projects fell through, but only because someone called the producer and told them that he's an alcoholic and he's unreliable, etc. And then there, he was with. hard to work with. And he's like, and they said it was a woman and she's like, 
are you accusing me? Like, I would never do that to you sort of thing. And he <laughs> essentially never lands on, you know, not accusing her. He just is like angry and drunk. Uh, he's has a beer in his hand and he's very clearly like already been drinking. Yeah. And he's like slurring his words, swaying all of all of those uh, typical signs. <sighs> and so we get that very problematic moment. And she's, you know, begging him to... Uh, She's just she's begging him to find another solution for them. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and he he just won't, uh, which is confusing to me because I'm like, if you were a lawyer, there's no way that he ha- he's only your fiance. There's no way that he has all of that money. So there's <clears throat> so there's a parallel here between mm-hmm. the past and the present, like the the journal and and Alex's or. Uh, Joanna's present. Yeah, and that's definitely a through line. Well, it's specifically the one here is that because she can't find her ID, she doesn't have anything. Oh. And it's technically kidnapping if she runs off with the kid. They yeah. both have legal rights to the child. True. So if she vanished with the child, it's you can, could be a problem. He could charge like he could uh, accuse her of kidnapping. True. And say, like, oh, she's not mentally stable. She's been doing this, she's been doing that. Yeah. And who's gonna believe who? Yeah, true, and I'm I'm, I'm I say assuming that with, like, that, trying not to throw up, but yeah, and I'm assuming because she's a lawyer, she knows all of this. Um, and I also think she's just like concerned. Like, she I don't think she thinks she's crazy, but yeah. I think she thinks she's not well, and she's just she like she understands that the stress she's under mm-hmm. is like okay, things aren't bad with him. I just don't like being here. I'm uncomfortable here, and I would like you know some help with our shared child, and also yeah would like to leave and some support from my husband that I'm constantly supporting and probably financially supporting. Definitely. So through all of this, she continues to read this um, diary and she, she learns that Margaret, who was the previous owner killed her um, husband and there's blood all over the wall and she tried to like cover it up. So, um, so Joanna goes and rips the wallpaper off of one of the walls and there there it is. There's yep. all the blood splatters. So uh yeah. And then also that Margaret's baby accidentally killed itself. Yes. Because she left a razor blade that she was using for crocheting crocheting. Yes. And it swallowed it. Yes. Um, which we get a really interesting parallel. In the beginning of this movie, one of the weirdest things that happens um is uh, when when Joanna's about to go take the bath, mm-hmm. she starts just coughing up blood, and then eventually a razor blade comes out of her mouth. Yeah. So there's that parallel as well, and we learn kind of where that came from. So um, back to the sleeping pill thing. So she she is force fed the sleeping pill, um, and then a, supposedly has a dream um, that. Um, so in the in the diary, uh, Margaret writes that she wants to like drill a hole through the wall because she knows that her husband is cheating on her with the neighbor. Yeah. So she wants to drill like a peephole and see, but she is you know worried that she doesn't know what she would do if she saw that. Uh, so in this possibly dream, I mean, this whole movie makes you question what's real and what's a dream the whole time. Um, but anyway, uh, she finds a peephole and she looks through it and she sees she sees Jeff cheating on her in the other apartment. So she runs and opens the closet where we see again another um, image of dead Alex. Yeah. 
Um, and she grabs her Even she's robe. just seen him go fuck it, Alex. Yeah. Sex, yeah. It's, yeah. That's where it's where it starts to get. Um, this is like the climax of the movie where it really starts to get confusing. But um, she throws on the robe. She goes next door. It's abandoned. Nobody's in there. Um, and then this is where we get, you know, some very strange layout things like where she walks in one place and she ends up in her apartment. It's like a really weird. Um, she tries to leave the front door, keeps coming out the bathroom door. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like really a little bit strange. of a Scooby-Doo moment. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and so um, when she uh, she tries calling the manager. Yeah. And and um, she's just getting like a, a really muffled like, hello. Hello. Oh, Hello. Scene is so good. And then she I might be mixing this up. The, the, I might the timeline not be, is a little off, but that's fine. I don't I like yeah. I can't remember the exact order that things happen in. It's all yeah. Um so then um she hangs up the phone and then she hears the payphone outside ringing. Mm-hmm. She runs out there like in her underwear and answers the phone and she's talking to herself. Yeah. You, she just hears what she just said was hello. Hello. And then she um she hears um, your baby is mine. And Oof. she hangs up the phone and runs back in and she finds uh, Margaret's husband. Yes. In there, like yelling, George. George, like yelling at her, being awful. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing in my house? Like all of this shit. And they get into a physical altercation. He starts choking her. She uses the um, needles from the crochet to... to kill him yeah stab him in the neck stab him in the neck and and he's saying like um she's asking where the baby is and he's like i i i'm it's been like over a year so so we're in the timeline in in margaret's we're in margaret's timeline but uh joanna's there so we don't know where porter is we we're, we're just seeing this altercation with them and she eventually kills him comes back into some sort of consciousness, I don't know, um, and sees that it actually was Jeff that she killed and Porter, her child. So then she makes the decision to slit her own throat with the razor blade and kills herself. And then we get um, a different couple downstairs buzzing up and saying, hi, we're here for the sublet. And we see upstairs... That, you know, no one's there, but then we hear a door open and then a a ghostly a, nobody presses the button to buzz them in. So roll credits. Yep. Roll credits. So, yeah, that was that was the plot. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. I mean, I, that's it's hard to do from memory, even though we've seen this a couple times. It's that's well, a it's tough just one because like. it's just because so many uh, there's not really like a chronological. Yeah. It, it just a lot of weird shit happens absolutely that leads up to the climactic weird thing that happens and everybody dies and like i could have just done it that way <laughs> weird shit everybody dies <laughs> yeah and then it's a cycle so it happens to another couple yeah. we assume so one of the things i really love about this movie is the structure mm-hmm. uh, i think it's really fucking cool this is a rare instance of four act yeah because it's broken up into weeks which i did not uh specify in the plot section of this podcast is that we have title cards come up that say week one through four so they've been there for a month by the time they die (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but it's really cool because like i think so what we usually see is in stage plays typically two acts right yes musicals and most stage plays are done um uh, two acts yes most films and tv shows are done in three act structure these Mm -hmm. days um 
for more information, you can always go look up like Dan Harmon's blogs about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's He's got some really wonderful, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, but he's got some really, really great theory writing. Yeah. That like teaches you how to write like hero's journey writing and three act structure and like how to place ad breaks, things like that. Yeah. Um, which are act breaks are ad breaks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's how it all gets structured these days. It's interesting. There's a whole lot of stuff about it. But what's cool about a four act structure is that even though it's symmetrical, it often feels unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And that's on purpose. Yeah. There's a couple of really great South Korean films that use it. Mm-hmm. And then Chekhov. Yeah. Often used four acts. Yeah. Um, and and like the Shakespeare was five acts, right? And then yeah, Chekhov is like a known for doing four acts and a lot of t- a lot of things. Yeah. So what it's really great about it is even though it's an even number, yeah, it always feels a little unbalanced because you don't have even though like and this isn't something that happens in two act structure where like two act structure is basically one two three mm-hmm. and then one two three, right? Yeah. Essentially, you have you have a rise and fall and then a rise and fall. Yeah, there are always exceptions to the rule, but that is the rule. Yeah. yeah. Whereas 4X structure doesn't have that. 4X structure does not have rise, fall, rise, fall, rise, fall, rise, fall. Yeah. It has this sort of like almost bell curve through mm-hmm. it, but it's a wobbly one. So it looks really weird when you look at like how the the pacing is structured. Mm-hmm. It's why it's, a lot of people don't do it. It's really hard to get right. Yeah. Uh, this very much gets it right. And I think, you know, maybe it's a little boring to hear me talk about like uh, uh, writing theory when it comes to structuring like plays and films and TV and shit like that. But I find it super fascinating, so and I'm the one on the mic, so I get to talk about it. No, um, I think it's interesting because I I think um, uh, balanced but unbalanced is the perfect way to describe this movie. So I'm interested yeah. to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So one of the reasons that people will use the four act structure is because of it doesn't have that consistent tone throughout, mm-hmm. or it's a con- consistent pacing yeah. throughout. So your sort of typical four act structure is setup, response, attack, and resolution. Mm-hmm. And like people phrase it as like a tent or yeah. so a lot of times, like they'll put it as like a four pointed tent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way it's been described to me a lot of times. But because we love of, visuals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you'll you have points where you put your plots in and like you really kick the plot off at the end of the first act. Yeah. Right. So like the first act is all set up. Mm-hmm. It's all tone. It's all all visual. It's it's getting an idea of what's happening. You could I'm trying to I should have read up on my checkoff again it's been a while to before i did this but whatever yeah i'm um, following though yeah so your first act is never going to be like anything that's super plot important mm-hmm. which is weird because it's you know 20 minutes of your movie yeah and you're spending it doing quote unquote nothing yeah right <clears throat> and we can see that in week one of this it's all set up there's mm-hmm. nothing plot important happens other than i guess alex is the end of the first act yeah um, cause it's a, and it's a shorter first act. That's the other thing, cool thing you can do about four act structures. You don't have to have them in equal parts, mm-hmm. uh, because it's set up and then a bunch of stuff in the middle and then pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, those middle sections can be as large or small as they need to be. Every, every section can be as large or small as it needs to be. It doesn't have to be equal structure. Yeah. Um, but if you were structuring it equally, it'd be, be about 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in this film, it's all up until Alex goes missing mm-hmm. and that's when the plot starts. Yeah. Which I think is super fucking cool. Like, you have to, like, you have to, that's super fucking cool, right? Like, you mm-hmm. have to wait for this plot to start. And it lets you wait. Yeah. And you've, you're fine waiting. Because yeah. you're sitting there just going like, okay, cool. I'm vibing. We're tone. We're, we're visuals. We're, 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 like, shot through this hazy lens. Everything's kind of muted and gray. No one wears any bright colors. Yeah. And if The if weather I, is shitty, like, today. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so gray today. Um, yeah, and if I if I may briefly cut in and say that 
Um, what I love about this movie is that it doesn't really... I mentioned that a lot. I think a lot of people might be hesitant to like this movie because it's very psychological thriller and with yeah. horror aspects. And maybe if you're trying to watch a straight up and down horror film, it's not exactly what you're looking for. But I don't think that really matters because this this movie to me throws genre caution to the wind. Oh, and it fully it does. Focuses on the storytelling, which coming from an actor like that is my bread and butter. I'm I'm here to watch <laughs> stories. I'm just here to watch someone tell me a story. So. That, I think, is why I connect really well with this film. I just really love it for its focus on telling a very sad and scary story. Mm-hmm. And this could easily be a play on Broadway, yeah. a terrifying play on Broadway. If we if we were able to do Harry Potter and do all those like cool effects like that, this could easily be set up even off Broadway. Yeah, we could we could do it in an off Broadway theater easily. I agree. I think this would be a much better use of time and art space than anything that's currently that was running. Um, <laughs> I, it, yeah, I think you're completely right. And like, it does compare a lot to one of your favorite stories, Rosemary's Baby. It does. There, there are some obvious parallels here with uh, um, her fiance being being an actor mm-hmm. and her having to stay home with with a baby, whether it's, you know, in Rosemary's baby in that in that case it's in her stomach, um, or in her womb, but in this case it's out of it. Um It's a demon baby. Who knows where it actually is? Yeah, exactly. We don't know. We don't know. But but it's also and the gaslighting. It has that in common too, yeah. the gaslighting, which I will get to once we're done talking about structure. <laughs> yeah. But I think these two go hand in hand because Rosemary's yeah. baby is very close to a four I haven't done a full analysis on it, but I think it is a four act. I could well. see that. Yeah, I'd have to go back and reanalyze it. It might be five, hmm. um, but I think it's I think it's four. Mm-hmm. Just like running through it in my head really quickly. I th- yeah. think it's four, but don't don't at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, so I think that that that's one of the great parallels with Rosemary's Baby is mm-hmm. yeah, not only the gaslighting, the clear, obvious, like just story beats yeah. that are similar, mm-hmm. but I think it also does so in structure and what and it's also why that is a really well made film is that it's because these you the first quarter of Rosemary's Baby. There's no fucking plot. We even yeah. start off with a hot sex scene in a new cool apartment. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, so I, I think it's, yeah, the plot doesn't start in Rosemary's Baby until what? Uh, the, the, the neighbors. Pretty much until the, the neighbor girl that she meets in the laundry room dies. Yes. That's, that's really when yeah. it kicks off. Yeah. And so I would say in this, it's the... It's Alex. The ex-girlfriend who dies. Yeah, mm-hmm. or goes missing or goes whatever. Missing, yeah. We, we don't know. What the fuck knows? It, like, that body would start to stink. It clearly wasn't there. Yeah, this movie <laughs> does a really great job of making you question what is real and what isn't and what dimension we're in, what timeline, what... It just makes you yeah. question a lot of things, which makes it a great psychological film. And I think that that's why this was structured as four acts and not as, like, three. Because in three, yeah. it's really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Because in three, you're having to go, like, okay, rise, 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 big story po- portion in the middle, and everybody's going through changes and realizing what's going to happen, and then you have climax and third act. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So what I love about this is that you like that's why it's hard to do that in a three act structure Mm -hmm. because you can't really make yourself go like you can't be running plots underneath themselves. Yeah. And spinning this narrative as well in that kind of structure because of the way what it demands. Yeah. Right. Like the way the act breaks, the way the act breaks sit. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a four act structure, you're able to spin because you have a lot more flexibility with the structure. Mm -hmm. Also, again, what makes it difficult to do. Um, 
but like it's it's really fucking cool the way that they just like let you move through this so yeah it's i guess the response is to the plot starting off is joanna starting to go like i am crazy no i'm not crazy because she's struggling with this internally but she's also having her fiance tell her that she's crazy constantly yeah um again with the gaslighting yeah and this movie definitely deals a lot with postpartum depression and a lot of the gaslighting that comes with postpartum depression because that's the that's the huge parallel between margaret and um joanna in this is that they both are very clearly experiencing postpartum depression which is a very common thing and it's 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 a-okay to experience but a lot of people make you feel shame for it Mm -hmm. and gaslight you and make you think that you are not like you just had a baby you should be so happy oh my god it's what you wanted you have a baby and you're getting married and all of these (sighs) things and he won't set a date too sorry i forgot that detail. he he won't won't set a fucking date yeah it's kind of she calls him out and he's like so when is it she asked him why hasn't he have and he doesn't answer the question and he doesn't answer the question says well when do you want to when do you want to do it it's like... That's not answering the question, bro. <laughs> it's such a typical thing that I have personally experienced with guys is that they are very... In arguments, they're very one-track-minded as well in, in the way that they'll just be like, okay, well, how do I how do I just... Like, what's a quick fix for this? And most of the time... Cutting to the point, yeah. Yeah, they cut to the point. And they're like, okay, well, if that's going to fix it, then what date do you want? And, and it's like, no, this is a deeper conversation of like what's actually going on. I want to know... I need I need to know all of these things and I asked why not when. Yeah, and then and and the guys like normally normally the reason is the guy doesn't know himself. Mm-hmm. Uh has not done that emotional labor for for that. So they're just like, "Oh, well, it's just cut to the part where like you're not mad at me anymore because I just, you know, I I'm I'm great. Why would you be mad at me?" It's uh Alexander and the Gordian knot. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it's and it's infuriating every single time. So I really feel for Joanna in this situation. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a serious amount of gaslighting here, and I I think it's a really interesting thing to dive into because again, the way that women are treated, a in horror films, b in real life, and in the medical field. Um, God, yeah, and you know. Um, and just how much bullshit you have to go through where you're it's almost like the gaslighting is what actually makes you crazy yeah it's you know yeah yeah it's it's what's the word it it's creating the problem that self-fulfilling prophecy yeah but yeah. from an exterior one right exactly like you're not telling yourself you're crazy you're being told you're crazy therefore you go crazy yeah and i think that that is the huge parallel between margaret and joanna here um mm-hmm. it's not so much the minutiae that's happening to them it's more of the way that they are feeling and this movie also does a really good job of having you ask the question of okay is this apartment haunted or is it or is it haunted by by Margaret and I think it's a little bit of both because it's kind of just kind of sounds like what happened to Margaret there was already like a presence in the apartment or already just like some strange shit going on or Margaret just got pushed to the point of insanity by uh, 
her. A shitty husband? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not something that's unheard of. And I'm not, again, I've, I've said it a bunch of times. I'm going to say it again just for, for clarity. I am not a fucking professional. But it's one of those things that you hear about if, like, you can be driven crazy. It is. Yeah. I, you, you can develop mental health disorders or, like, you may have the underlying conditions for one is probably what I should say. You can have the underlying conditions for a mental health disorder that and can never be develop one or you can develop one because you had the underlying conditions and you were given a traumatic situation that caused it to flare. And an abusive right? husband and a child who very unfortunately died. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. This movie definitely presents a lot of questions of like what came first, the chicken or the egg sort of. Um, for sure. And because it's not completely clear. It's like she says she's going crazy there. And I would imagine that our, I mean, our intelligence and studies on postpartum depression today aren't even that extensive. Um, Yeah, there can be a lot more work on that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm just imagining at whatever timeline Margaret was living in, it probably was not even talked about. It feels like the 40s, right? Yeah. It's at least spoken about now on like talk shows and we know generally what it is and you can go to a therapist and We've seen better representations of it in media. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's, there's, there's less shame around it but there is still gaslighting Mm -hmm. um certainly but uh i would imagine that margaret there was no hope and no support in her in her mind no and i think that yeah this is where it gets into like does the apartment keep you from doing things yeah um because like maybe margaret had a family to reach out to and couldn't reach them that's what I'm wondering is like, is is this some strange dimension? Because we never see any neighbors and Joanna mentions that too. Yeah, she says, I, I hear smell all these cooking. sounds. Yeah. And there's just no, I never see I anybody. I never see anyone. Yeah, it's so weird. I love that though. That like, it's like this isolation, which we yeah. also talked, that's another parallel with Rosemary. Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. yeah. The isolation and the, again, the gaslighting that comes with isolation because yeah. if nobody else saw it or heard it, did it really happen? Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's a, it's, a tr- it's a real whole, just like one person having to decide whether or not a tree makes a, whether or not a tree makes a sound if it falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it. Like, yeah. Thank you, or, Evan Hansen. <laughs> okay. Hey, come on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's uh, really even more though. It's like if a tree falls falls in the forest and I'm the only one does, who hears it. Yeah. That's really where it goes. And I love that about this. That's what a really well done isolation haunting film does. Right? Yeah. And like we I, tried to watch the others and good God, I couldn't make it through the first, we made it through the first act and had to yeah. stop. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Nicole Kidman, you're brilliant. But we love I you, just but that movie it. was rough. Um, but, but, uh, the thing that I do really, really enjoy about this movie is one of my favorite things about film and television or my favorite genre or whatever you want to call it is when you can start asking questions and picking it apart and it only presents more questions. I love just totally. kind of like a maze when yeah. it comes to dissecting movies. Totally. Um, no, that's a, it's it's so fun. Like it makes it's the only kind of game you like playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I like the I like I like things that make you want to watch them over and over again because you still are just like what the fuck? What was the intention behind this? What what is this um it's kind of like what is this trying to say, but it's but it's it's more of a question of it's saying so many things. I'm trying to decipher what 
is the main thing. It's not yeah. it's not like what is this trying to say is and it's not saying anything. It's saying a lot. Yeah. And I think the 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 moral of the story here is pretty clear too, which just makes it even even better. Like you know what the movie's saying, men bad, women put upon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not even women good. Like Joanna's not a perfect person by any means. No. And she's really struggling through something. And she doesn't, she again, doesn't have any support, which is a parallel to Margaret once again, is that her husband is A, not around. um, B, stepping out. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think it must be, I think it honestly must be very, very hard when, because the difference between Rosemary and um, Joanna is that, is that Rosemary's, Rosemary's desire and goal was to have and raise a child and be a mother and be a wife and be all these things, which is totally fine if that is what, if that is your jam and go do it, sis, go do it. Yeah, we're not second wave anymore. No, like if that is literally what you want to do, you want to be a stay at home mom, like all the more power to you. Um, but I don't think with Joanna being a lawyer, I don't think that's ever what she wanted. So I think it's really hard for her to take the back seat here. And, um, I mean, she's taking care of a child, so it's not really even the back seat, but I think she was a very career driven person and still is. She seems that way for sure. Like she comes across that way. She's played that way by, uh, by Nori. You have to go a lot. You have to go through a lot to become a lawyer. So if you're not in it, it's. You know, it's a very tough road. Absolutely. So that's why I think that that's another thing that just kind of makes her feel even crazier. She's like, this is not like this is one thing that I wanted, but this is not what I wanted my entire life to be like. And it's really hard when you're stuck in that position. It's hard to imagine it won't always be like this, like the baby will grow up. And I won't have to be here all the time. But when you're in it and again, suffering through postpartum, it's. It feels like you're in a hole. It's a beautiful, beautiful just like depiction of depression. Like it, this is yeah. what it feels like. I can say this person from a personal experience. This is what it fucking feels like. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's real and what's not. Yeah. You've got you know, not in the scary way, but you have voices in your head telling you like this is the way things will be forever. You yeah. will never leave this bed. Yeah. You will never achieve anything. Like this is this is what depression feels like. And mm-hmm. this movie is such a beautiful encapsulation of that. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many of those. I this is another thing I want to get at is that like there's been so many of those movies that are really well done about men and depression. Yeah. This is the one we this is one of the few I've seen about what it looks like to be a woman and have depression. Yeah. Regardless of what type it is. I don't give a shit if it's postpartum or major or clinical like, like whatever yeah, version yeah. of it you have. Uh, bipolar, like anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is what a depressive episode looks like. Totally. And I don't think we're saying she's crazy. No. But I like the parallel of it. Like we were talking, uh, <laughs> we were talking about Dead Alive mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago and saying like how much we love that it's just a splatter film. Yeah. And that we are not stuck in is. allegory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like we were saying, we love allegorical films, but mm-hmm. it's maybe time for a break. This came out of the same year that a lot of the ones we love came out in, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it was in that heyday. Like 2015 is like when we really popped off doing this. And this is another example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's why I got 75 K because it was just so fucking well done. Wasn't 2015 like, also like when Black Mirror came out too, which is entirely allegorical. Black Mirror's been out for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. Even before 2015? Yeah. 2012, I think it was the first season. Oh, shit. They well, just took, it's like 
you know, any of those BBC miniseries, they will take a year off in between. True, true. Well, that, I, um, I was just bringing that up. I think that's when that, it was bought by Netflix. I think that's when the first Netflix season came out. Because, yeah, I think I remember watching it, starting watching it in 2015. Um, yeah, I definitely was torrenting it before that. Got it. I started watching, I think, my last year of college or right after I graduated, something like that. So that was in 2012, 2013. Yeah. It's more in like the 11-13 range. I was just saying that it also, that is also an extremely allegorical series. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, we've been in this trend for a minute. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is like taking, not taking back what I said, but saying the other side of it. Because uh, both things can be true. Yeah. Um, yes, we should maybe take a break from the heady films and do more fun ones. But also, I really love this movie, and I love how heady it is. I love that it's an, an examination of what depression looks like. And depression is a horror film, mm-hmm. at least for a lot of people, myself included. Yeah. There are, for a lot of people, not to get too deep or scary here, but there's real fucking stakes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we see them play out here in yeah. the worst-case scenario. This is the worst-case scenario. Everyone dies. Yeah. It's the worst. And that's what your brain tells you. So it's really interesting to see that. Well, and it's hilarious because when you said um, a depiction of a woman who is going through some sort of depression, whether it's, you know, postpartum, um, major, you know, whatever, um, clinical, anything. So I just I just was brought back to all of the jokes that are being made right now of men writing women who are like going through something and. Like in the Queen's Gambit, everyone's making fun of like when she hits her lowest point and her, but her hair is like perfectly done. She has a bold <laughs> lip. She's wearing a robe, but it's like off the, or, or a sweater, but it's like off the shoulder. She's wearing her high, very comfy socks. I just, I, I'm just laughing at that. And she's drinking all the wine, but she looks really sexy while doing it. Yeah. Like it's not. It's just it, it just brought that up to me because this movie isn't like that at all. No, Joanna so, finishes in sweatpants, a camisole, and covered in blood, and her hair looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, it's just well, I it just brought that back to me that that is totally. a lot of how women being at their lowest has been depicted, and how this is beautifully um, raw and actually real when men are allowed to be like pounding on the bar uh looking like shit have the five o'clock shadow like they You're look like describing shit. one friend of ours <laughs> not trying to subtweet here but um but like you know you know what i mean though no, like no, men are allowed do, men are allowed to be ugly in a lot of these situations and nobody has allowed a woman to show that side so it it just it just dives even further into the pit of hell that is like the patriarchy and us as women needing to look perfect even when we're at our lowest point from men's perspectives yes yeah they're like oh she's hot but she's sad she's sad she's a sad girl she's listening to lana del rey um, <laughs> she's got her Joni mitchell on yeah which that is a lot of what I look like, but not physically. That's what I'm doing. Right, right. But I don't. Yeah, no, the look. actions are correct. You will never it's... catch me in a bold lip if I'm feeling sad. Once in a while, but you do it on purpose because you're like, I'm feel sad. I'm putting on a bold lip. Not these days with these masks. Mm-mm, it's a well, waste of lipstick. Pre that. Pre that, yes. But, you would do it just to say "fuck you, world." But you know what? I, you know what I mean, though. Like we. Yes, I'm not contesting I, that point. Sorry. <laughs> I think going going back to this, I think this is a a great depiction of what it can really look like. I mean, I mean, Joanna is beautiful no matter what, but I think that that's a point with women anyway, 
Yeah. Whether we're going through it or not, we're beautiful no matter what. Um, and it's, it's again, it's just nice to see her not trying to look extremely like. We never see her out of Putting out on of, a face. Yeah. She's never putting on a face here because she's at home with the people she feels most comfortable with. And that's what we see. So we get kind of like a peephole into into how she's really feeling and what's really going on. And it's like, it's really, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Actually, along with that, I hadn't even thought about the costuming. So I have a note here that just says subtly, but we've been dancing around that the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about all of the wonderful, subtle things in this movie. Yeah. Um, another one that I'm looking at is, again, costuming. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff. Jeff is never out of a blazer and slacks. Yeah. He's always got just the perfect amount of stubble. His hair's quaffed, even when he's like, even when he's asleep. And he has like, even he's the, those he's the, like, he's sweaters that on. Yeah. Yeah. All those shawl collar sweaters. Yeah. Like he is done to a T every single time. The only time we see him undressed, he's in some really nice looking black boxers mm-hmm. that like are doing him favors, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's very interesting that like this is the uh, this is the counter to the trope of the woman waking up in a full face of makeup. Mm-hmm. Like we were watching Shit's Crazy the other night. And, oh, yeah. Uh, like Alexis, Alexis falls asleep is, yeah, in a full in a face full of makeup. <laughs> hair done everything Ugh. it's like oh honey you're your skin. You're poor skin your poor skin but that's jeff in this and we never yeah. really see joanna in a significant amount like more than just stage makeup you she know she has a really cute nighty, but that's that's the sexiest we see her though yeah like it's really cute though it I is like it. oh <laughs> and and she wears margaret's dress at one point uh, oh which is a yeah very cute she does, dress she does but that's the that only on. time we ever see her like in i guess quote unquote not not a tank top and sweatpants. Yeah, she's always in a cami and sweatpants or mm-hmm. like lounge pants or something like that. You know, like yeah. she's just never cute. Yeah. Even like when they there's a scene of her in her underwear and they're like her dumpies. You yeah, know, like they're the not... ones that are beat to hell and you just wear because they're comfortable and you're not putting them on underneath anything else. Yes. It's me walking around the house in my beat to shit underwear. Yes. This is something that I would like to see more of because there's just... There's so much imagery out there of women going through it who are wearing like their nicest lingerie and their nicest um, robe, which, yes, again, like you said, sometimes when I'm sad, I'll put on a bold lip. But it's really just because I'm like, I've had five to ten days looking yes. le- like wearing sweatpants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, that's the point I was trying to make. Know, yeah. Like, yeah, you do it as a fuck you. I'm done feeling like I'm done looking like I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not here to judge I do it how too. Any... and I'm not saying that that's like a gender thing either. Like I do that. No, as well. no, it's yeah. Um and I'm not here to say that like I'm not here to judge anyone for how they deal with their sadness. If you want to put on your, you know, finest lingerie and like walk around the house like you fucking go. Yeah. Um but but it's just how we've been depicted when we are at our lowest low. We've just had like someone died, someone you know, like all these things. Yeah. And they put us in a full face of makeup with a gorgeous wine glass when the when the truth is we're probably drinking it out of the same cup that we drank coffee out of that morning. Yeah. And you, you know? didn't wash in between. No. Like it's like coffee wine and it's disgusting. But you know what? It gets you drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, that's what I want to feel right now. Yeah. And yeah, like the, the the point here is men who are listening, please stop trying writing women like this. It's not accurate. It's no, not cute. It's not it accurate. just it shows your fucking ass when you do this. Because mm-hmm. you're just like, she's sad but so fuckable. I'm yeah. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck the fuck off about that. It's yeah. so annoying and dumb. Yeah. So to put um, a fine point on this movie is that this is done, in my opinion, right. Yeah. And so I, one of the things I really love about this, I'm, I'm completely switching gears now just because there's a Go couple for it. I yeah. We've talked talk about, about this for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's it all sort of much like the film. It wraps around in itself. Yeah. I think that's really, I love when a film does 
in its plotting what it does when you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of movies I can just go beat, 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 mm-hmm. structure, structure, structure. Yeah. This one is a very convoluted, well, convoluted in the, like, the fact that it's just, like, so intertwined. Yeah. Structure. And I love that. It's all clearly plotted. Like, there's no, I don't think this movie's sloppy at all. I think it's a pretty fine-tuned machine here. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I think everything was done very really well. I can't believe anybody thought this was not a good movie. I know. It's really shocking to me because, like, if you look at it for two seconds, you're like, God damn. I know. I com- I completely agree with you. Um, Which is the, the sign of a good psychological thriller, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will put my stamp on this. Is This is a psychological thriller. Yeah, there aren't many of those Those things out can there. be commensurate with horror. Yeah, this but... is, like, the seventh one I've ever seen. So yeah. <laughs> I think I'm still in single digits. Yeah. Um, So there's some really great character moments in here mm-hmm. that I wanted to point out. Uh, yeah. Beyond all of the, like, cool structure and plotting and yada yada. Yeah. Um, there's some just really well, there's some really well-written character moments. And yes. well-acted character moments. Yes. Um, and a lot of them come from Jeff. Yeah. Uh, He's the one who shows us his character the most, right? Mm-hmm. We're with Joanna all the time, and Jeff is an interloper. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like yeah. he's not a protagonist. He's not a main. He's not. I wouldn't even say he's a main character. He's a Kramer. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Joanna's our J- our Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> if we're putting this in Seinfeld terms, everything yes. is in Seinfeld terms. Okay. They're the four humors, much like Sex in the City, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Right? Not Sailor Moon. That's not right. But anyway. So there's a couple of lines. I don't have the the full quotes pulled, but I do have the. I'll, I'll describe the scene basically. Yeah. So the morning before Alex comes over, yes. that morning, yes. Jeff asks Joanna to run lines with him that night. It's like, hey, and it's a sweet moment of like, hey, can you be a part of my life, a yeah. part of my career, right? Yeah. This is like when I ask you to read scripts or you have me run lines with you For or sure. you have me like For shoot sure. your self tapes and shit. Yeah. It's that sort of sharing of your life, right? Like your your work and your home can be put together. Def. Um, and that's a sweet moment to me, right? Yeah, of course it is, yeah. And I think it's intended to be that way. And it's played that way. It's one of his, it's one of his few vulnerable moments of saying like, oh, watch me when I'm not doing a good job. I just remember. Because running lines is not doing a good job. Running no, lines is getting lines through, in your head. You're going through a process. You're saying yeah. the words for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I just remember when she almost um, poisoned him with the sugar because she, <laughs> he keeps saying like, you know, I, yeah, I don't feel well. I like, I, and she's like, you look sick and all this stuff. But she reads in the diary that yes. Margaret had put, um, what did she put in there? There was cyanide in the cyanide sugar. Cyanide in the sugar so she like goes and yeah dumps all the sugar down yeah. thing and then she has a panic attack about the that's why she calls the manager because that's the sink's broken. right because yeah yep got it yeah <laughs> there's all these time lapses and shit too and yeah yeah um but mm-hmm. once he runs into his ex suddenly joanna's cast aside yeah and like you could argue like, oh, well, and like, and this is what's great about it is that you can argue and you can rationalize it. You can make it reasonable. It's like, well, she's an actor too. She'll be better for him to run, line, run lines with. Right. That is someone who is a, like, I wouldn't ask him to go over a brief that I was working on. Yeah, of course. So why would he ask me to run lines when he has someone better? Yeah. That's the rationalizing part of it. Yes. But goddamn, isn't it great when that thing, when you get that double-edged sword going, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I like about this movie. That's what the yeah. moments I'm pulling are all about. Yeah. Um, this movie is rich with a lot so of tough... It's so rich. It's steeped yeah. in subtlety and reference mm-hmm. to itself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just like, I got excited. No, no, no. That was, <laughs> that was all I was really going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, another great moment that keeps coming up is um, Your Baby is Mine. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the best moments we see of that, my favorite moment that we see of that, is not um, the the previous tenant who's uh, unhoused and like outside and crazy. It's the cheating dream and the first one, not mm-hmm. the second one. The second mm-hmm. one's one with the pinhole, right? Yes, yes. The first one, Joanna wakes up, walks out into the living room. The couch has been moved back 90 degrees again. Yeah. And Jeff is fucking Margaret. Margaret. Yeah, it's past. not it's not Alex, it's Margaret. Yeah. Um in her dope dress and her dope 40s makeup looking like a whole ass pinup model, mm-hmm. sexy as hell. Mm-hmm. And then Joanna finds red underwear on the couch the next day Mm -hmm. and she picks them up and walks to the room and starts to talk to Jeff about it and they're not in her hand anymore yeah I love that like it doesn't make a point of it right no it just the movie doesn't like happens yeah Yeah. and I love that about this movie like there's um one of the articles I was reading was talking about how there's no there's not a single jump scare in this no this movie never indulges in the surface level scary yeah Uh, I guess the the end with the stabbing shit yeah but even then that's more that's catharsis at any if anything else like it's, yeah. it, it is the climax of the movie right yeah um which again go back to four act structure climaxes happen at the very last second mm-hmm. um they're the end of the movie there's like no denouement mm-hmm. um another reason i love them is like it's like all build dead yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that's, that's why exactly they're good for what horror. this is yeah um so i think what's really fucking great about that moment in a lot of other moments like this, like it's um, when we see Alex dead in the closet. Yeah. There's no sting, right? There's no musical sting. There's no, no. there's no film sting. It is. It is she there. opens the closet. <laughs> we see Alex. She shuts the door. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing. They don't make any bones about it. Yeah. Like there's no, like there's no, um, um, no reveling in these moments. Right. Yeah. Of creepiness. Yeah. And that's what I love. It's like, it doesn't like throw it at you and like, Hey, isn't this so creepy? Like, yeah, it doesn't you, comment on itself. It's, exactly. It just it just it allows you to notice things yeah. and that it allows you to have that moment of like, did you just see that? Like what was that? Yeah. Now it's gone. And what you, was that? But even then you're not like shocked by it. You're like, yes, of course it's not there. Yeah. Because nothing makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, that's why I love Jeff Morrow. Like, this is why I want to shout out the score. Jeff Morrow mm-hmm. did an incredible job of the score because a, a lesser composer would have stung all of those moments. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that's what people don't realize is like all, a lot of this stuff happens to you unconsciously. Yeah. Like I shouldn't. That sounds pretentious. I shouldn't say that not a lot of people realize this. A lot of people do realize this, but it's something that we don't talk about as much mm-hmm. is that music is such an important part of horror. Yeah. And it's used and it can be Atmosphere. over. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's what tells you whether or not a movie is scary a lot of times. Like you can, there's, um, it's like stripping the laugh track away from Big Bang Theory to realize it's not funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. we've all seen that and it's, it's just like, oh God, yes. these aren't jokes. Yeah. No, and that's... like you could strip that away from a, you strip the music away from a horror film and a lot of times you're like, oh, that's not a fucking horror film. It's something we haven't brought up on horror or not yet because it hasn't really come up. Yeah, I'm sure there's a movie that that it will come up with. Um, But no, you're absolutely right. Atmosphere is a huge, huge thing. And I think it's, um, I mean, there are some some shows that I do not like and won't watch because I don't like the atmosphere and the aesthetics of it. I, Mm -hmm. I just, I don't connect with it. And I think that's a huge thing. It's a part of your world building and to put, to put it in like broader terms. And I... I think it's a very important thing, which is why we have why why we certainly shout out the cinematographers and um, sound designers, and sound designers, composers, and, Foley, and everything, everything. It's 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 also important to come together and make a cohesive 
piece. Yeah. I was thinking like while we were watching this again last night, I was thinking about this and I was uh, thinking about Evangelion, right? Mm -hmm. Which you haven't seen all of, but you've seen a decent amount of Mm -hmm. about the first third or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I love most about that show, which is everything, but uh, particularly is the sound design of that show. I think it's fucking brilliant because you even pointed it out when we were watching it together, the cicadas. Mm Mm-hmm they make you feel tense and relaxed at the same time. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen the show, there's all these pan shots in this anime, which usually you would think like, oh, it's animation, like use every scene for plot and action. But this one takes so much of its time in setting this like terrifyingly idyllic (laughs) scene. And it's the cicadas that do it to me. Like every single time I I was rewatching it the other day and I was just like, yeah, that really puts me on edge. Like I hear the cicadas and like, this is the last moment of rest they're going to have before something horrible happens to them. Yeah, it's a lot like it's a like it's it's a lot like how Miyazaki sets up a lot of things. There is exactly. more there is more landscape and um, setting up the environment than there is plot sometimes with Miyazaki, which yeah. is letting you live co- in the world completely play completely pays off. Yeah, um, yeah, and I also I want to note normally normally this would make me I want to note that normally I would think that this was cheesy but in this movie i think it kind of ties it together in a in in a way that you're sort of expecting but still just kind of works is the fact that you're seeing all these pictures it's like a gallery wall but you don't really know like some of the pictures fall off so you don't really know what the pictures are of except for you can you see once that it's that lady that's outside yeah um, and and the lady who's supposedly missing the cop show or the photo that's when we get that little reveal yeah and so at the very end we get a photo of Joanna and Porter together on mm-hmm. that wall, on that gallery wall. So you can see all the victims of this apartment yeah. or of Margaret. I'm not entirely sure. but I think we um, see Margaret on the wall, though. She may have been the first, but she, I think we see her on the wall. Yeah, so you get all the victims of this apartment right there. And it's interesting to me that it's not a family photo. It's only of the mother and child. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I think just emphasizes the point of the effects of postpartum depression, that it's not, it doesn't often have to do with the father. They yeah. can certainly exacerbate it like they do in this well, fucking It's really movie. true as a family affair unless they exacerbate it, right? Like yeah. the men don't help unless they're hurting. Yeah, exactly. So I think or that that's... they're not involved a, unless they're hurting. They never help. Yeah, I think that's an interesting... Um, little bow like little yeah scary bow to tie this up in is that you only have photos of the mother and and um child yeah i think that's a really that's a great poll and it was something yeah you and i both were talking about last night at the end of the film it's like oh shit yeah it is literally just the mother and child i didn't notice that the first time i saw this like, yeah yeah I, I, I it was a new thing that i noticed for sure but yeah i i like this movie i'm i'm gonna put a fine point on it and say that i would recommend it if someone um, wants to get me a copy so I can just watch this all the time and see it without ads and like just be able to live in the pacing of it, I would love that. I would love you. I would, I don't know, give you a crisp high five. It's um, very good. It's very good. I would definitely recommend it to people who do who don't like jump scares but but enjoy the the occasional psychological thriller because I don't love jump scares unless they are feel like they are necessary, which most of the time they are not. Yeah, they're in my just opinion. used for. Yeah, it's a atmosphere cheap thrill. Atmosphere, yeah, it's, it's a cheap thrill. Yep, and haunted house bullshit. Yeah, so I I personally really like this movie because I think it has a lot to say, and I I think that it's it's an important watch. I I like it. I I would say go watch it. And it's a pretty easy watch too. Like I don't think that yeah. this is one that like 
it's a good kind of stressful. Yeah, you can engage with it in a yeah. really nice way, but it's not like that photo I took of us watching the thing the other night. <laughs> or <laughs> you and hands. me and Kirby are all holding hands. And Kirby is not a person. Kirby is a stuffed animal. Um. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. But yeah, I think that kind of, that wraps me up. I yeah, I don't have much else to say. I could go on for hours about this movie. You could too. Don't even say. Well... <laughs> But uh, I guess we should cap it off and let people get back to whatever they were doing beforehand. Exactly. Uh, so, guys, you know where to find us. We're at Horror Babes Podcast on Instagram. We're at Horror Babes Pod on Twitter. And we're at HorrorBabesPod.com. Uh, thank you once again to Seth Haken for that amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning and the end of this episode. And our producer, Sarah, we love you so, so much. Thank you guys for always supporting us. If And if you guys would like to further support us, please go and write us a review on iTunes and rate us if you're enjoying this. Um, we love you so much and stay safe. Until next time. Bye, Bye babes. babes. Yeah, babe.